0: In this episode of our Funnels and Launching bonus series, I'm bringing you one of the earliest episodes from Work Less, Earn More. In this episode, I share with you six things that took us past the six-figure mark. Now, one thing I love about this episode is that it's a really good recap of some of the biggest things that we did that grew the business and that I recorded this episode when these things were still pretty fresh on my mind. We had passed the six-figure mark just about two years before, and we were still using a lot of the same strategies at that point in time. So I think that it is just really timely for those of you who right now are charging towards that goal, and there are some important lessons in this episode. It's just kind of one of those solid, good episodes with some good, important advice in it. So I hope you enjoy this fourth episode of our bonus week series. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Work Less, Earn More. Today, I'm gonna take you back in a time machine about three years. At this point, I'd been working for a few years trying to earn a living online, but nothing was really sticking and I wasn't earning much of anything. But it was also the year that I finally broke six figures. Now, I dabbled in several different niches, but I'd finally settled on online marketing as the thing that fascinated me the most. I decided to focus on it, talk about it, become an expert at it, and sell digital marketing courses and services. But like I said, I wasn't really making any money at this point. So if I wasn't making money, then what exactly was I spending my time on when I was working? Well, there were four main things. The first one was blogging. I was blogging every single week, writing one blog article, and putting as much effort and energy into them as I could because this was really my core business activity at this point. It wasn't really producing any sort of measurable results, but there were a few people reading, and I felt like I just needed to keep working at this because I didn't know what else to do. The second thing that I was spending my time on when I wasn't making money was networking. I had this idea, I'm not even sure where I got it, that if I met the right people, then maybe I could get the help that I needed to figure out how to finally start actually making money with my business. And so every week I would spend several hours interacting with other online entrepreneurs in Facebook groups, answering their questions, asking my questions, and then meeting them for virtual coffee. So we'd jump on a video conferencing software like Zoom and we'd chat for 30 or 40 or 60 minutes. Now, as far as I can tell, this didn't really have any impact on my business back then. However, I wouldn't say it was completely time wasted because I did learn some things in the process and I also met some people who later did go on to help me and I was able to help them, but only after I finally actually started making money with my business. The third thing I spent a lot of time on back when I wasn't making money was posting on social media. Now, I probably spent less time on this, honestly, than plenty of other people who run online businesses do just because I've never been very good at posting very consistently, but I was posting on Facebook and Instagram and sometimes Twitter on an almost daily basis, and this was another of the business activities that I really saw as core. I was trying to grow my audience on these different platforms, so that I had someone to sell my services to, but it wasn't really working. My audience was growing really slowly, and the people who were following me weren't actually buying my products. And the final thing that I was spending a lot of time on wasn't exactly working, It was learning. I spent countless hours every single week reading blog posts, attending webinars, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, trying to figure out what the missing ingredient was that was holding me back from actually making any sort of money with my business. I felt that there must be something that I wasn't doing that I needed to start doing in order to finally break through and start being able to support myself with this business. Because just for context, at this point, I was running another business that was supporting me and my family. I was running a local music studio and I was working at that for 30 to 50 hours per week. But I knew that I wanted to shift from running the local business to running the online business and to be able to support my family with the online business because I really wanted to do something that was a lot more flexible and gave us more freedom and was more fulfilling because I wanted to do something that was really related to something I was very interested in. I also felt that running an online business would probably allow me to spend more time with my kids, work when and where I wanted to, travel more, and I seriously hoped that my online business would pay better than my local business did. So on top of the 30 to 50 hours that I was working at my quote unquote day job, I was spending another 15 or so hours working on my online business each week and another 10 to 15 hours on the research, the learning, trying to figure out what I needed to change in order to start actually making money online. Well, after a lot of trial and error, years of trial and error, Things finally started clicking into place, and in a mere 12 months, my online business went from earning squat deadly to six figures in gross revenue. So today in this episode, I'm going to break down the handful of things that I changed in order to make that happen. Now, originally, I was just going to share three important things with you. But as I was planning this episode out and the more I thought about it, I realized that there were really six important things that I changed that allowed me to make that shift in my income. But as you'll see, as I go through these six things, it wasn't six new things that I started doing. Some of these things that I did were simply decisions I made and others were actually things that I stopped doing. All right, so let's get into it. The first thing that I changed, the first thing that I did that increased my income was I chose one thing to specialize in. Now, I mentioned to you that prior to this, I dabbled in quite a few different niches, and at this point, I felt like I had really narrowed down, I'd really niched down. I decided to only talk about digital marketing, and so I felt like I had done this step already. Because prior to this, I was blogging about all sorts of things, and my brand was more of a lifestyle brand, so I felt like I had really niched down. But the shift that I made that really allowed me to finally start increasing my income was to choose one specific thing to specialize in. So not just a category that I fit within, but one specific topic. There were all sorts of different digital marketing topics that I could have picked. I could have decided to focus on specializing in Facebook ads or in email marketing or in Instagram growth or anything like that, but I decided to specialize in generating passive income with online businesses. Now, that still could be narrowed down even more, but that was what I decided to focus all of my content on. So whatever I was talking about, whether it was a post on Instagram, whether it was a post on my blog, whether I was making a video, I made sure that it all tied back into making passive income with an online business. And that was what I really strived to become an expert in. Now, of course, I want each of these six things that I'm going to walk you through to be as applicable to you as possible so that they can actually help you. So for this first point, the way that you could apply it to yourself is to ask yourself if you really have specialized in one thing, if you're known for one thing right now, if you're focused on selling primarily one product. If your answer to these questions is no, then this might be an area that you could work on to be able to charge more, to be able to attract more attention to your brand, and ultimately to be able to earn more. Because here is the truth. Generalists earn far less money than specialists. Think about doctors. A general practitioner earns far less than a much more specialized doctor like a brain surgeon or an oncologist or a podiatrist. Any doctor that specializes charges more for their services. And the same is true in any industry. If you are more specialized, people will view you as more of an expert and they will be willing to pay higher rates for your services or expertise. The second thing that I did in order to increase my income will sound completely counterintuitive. Here's what it is. I stopped trying to sell. I know. (laughs) You must be thinking, what? How could stopping trying to sell make you more money? And for some people, this isn't what they need to do. Some people need to work on selling more. For some people, the reason they're not making money right now is because they're not really selling anything. Maybe they have a product, but they're not asking people to buy it. Or maybe they don't even have a product. But in my case, that was not my problem. I had products and I was actively trying to sell them because I would heard about the other mistake you could make where you didn't try to sell enough. But the problem was that it wasn't working. I didn't have a big enough audience to really be marketing to, and I hadn't done enough market research to know if people wanted the product I was selling, who wanted the product, or how to best sell it. So in order to attack the problem of not making money, I needed to go at it from a different angle. I didn't just need to try to sell more or sell better. I needed to back up a few steps and work on actually building my audience, getting the visibility my brand needed, and doing that market research to figure out how to really best help the people who I was serving. Now, just to be clear here, the problem wasn't just that I needed a big audience in order to be able to make money. You can have a very successful business with a very small audience, If you focus heavily on your market research, if you make sure that your audience is actually comprised of the people who will really benefit from and will appreciate your product, and then you talk to those people about exactly what they're looking for and you figure out how to best talk to them about your product. Market research is one of those things that we all know we should probably do, but a lot of us often skip over it because it sounds kind of vague. It maybe sounds a little bit overwhelming, and it definitely sounds like it's not absolutely necessary. It's kind of like if you were doing some homework and there were some optional practice questions, you might just skip over them because there are plenty of other questions to answer anyway, so you don't want to waste your time answering those optional ones. But if you do take the time to answer the practice questions, then you might understand the concept a lot better and you might do a lot better on the rest of the homework and eventually on the test. Well, marketing is the same way. That market research is technically optional. You can definitely try to sell things without doing it, and you might even be successful. But you'll have much better odds if you take the time and spend the energy to actually conduct the market research and find the people who are interested in buying your product. Because here's the thing. At some point, if you want to earn money, then you need to find people who want to buy your product. Because you can't make money unless you make sales and you can't make sales unless there are people who want to buy your product and you connect with them and they learn about your product and they have the option to buy it. So at some point you're going to need to find these people, but you can either do it when you are trying to sell Or you can just do it a little bit earlier on before you're trying to sell so that you can talk to them, learn more about them, learn more about their needs and their desires and the problems that they're facing, and learn more about how to best communicate with them about these issues. When you realize that you're going to have to do the work of finding these people at some point, then you will realize that it makes more sense to find them sooner so that you can get this information before you go out and try to sell the product. So to bring this back around, the second thing that I did was I stopped trying to sell. And the reason why for my business this had a positive impact was because I was wasting a lot of time unsuccessfully trying to sell, and I needed to stop trying to sell so that I could reclaim that time and energy and focus it on some other things that were going to have a bigger impact on my business and ultimately on my revenue. Thing number three that I did that increased my income was so key. Really, if I didn't do any one of these other things, I would say this is the thing that I needed to do, and that is I made something worth paying attention to. Regardless of what industry you're in, you face competition, whether you are selling a service or a product, or even if you're just trying to stand out on Instagram or make videos that people actually watch. There is competition there. There are other brands and businesses and influencers that people could be paying attention to instead of you. And in order to do that, you have to make something that is worth paying attention to. You have to make a video that is really interesting, or you have to make a product that is phenomenally different or better than the alternatives. Because if it isn't significantly better or different, then people will stick with what they know. They'll continue to listen to the people who they're already following. They'll continue to use the service that they're already using or buy the product that they're already buying because that is the easier and the safer choice. In order to earn people's attention and get customers to shift to using your business as their service provider or using your products, you really have to make something that is worth people's attention. Now, I want to make sure that you understand that this isn't always about making a better product. A lot of the times it's just about making something that is different enough that it appeals to people who maybe aren't liking some of the features of a current product or aren't really relating to that brand. It also might have nothing to do with the product itself, but instead just have to do with your marketing. A great example of this is Apple. When Apple really started taking off, it wasn't because they had made a machine, a computer that was radically different from the competition. Yes, it was different but it wasn't necessarily far better. But what they did do very differently was how they marketed it. They kicked off this new and ongoing marketing campaign with their infamous 1984 Super Bowl commercial. Now, if you haven't seen this before, then you should just look it up because I won't be able to do it justice at all. But in this commercial, they really challenged the status quo and they created an ad that is just so unlike any other ad that was running, especially at that point in time that it really stood out from their competition. It branded them completely differently and it attracted customers to them that were drawn to them because of what they stood for. And the reason I bring this up is because it's a great example of a company that didn't necessarily have a far superior or even extremely different product their computer still did the same thing that some other computers at that point in time were doing, but they branded it differently. And that was what they did that was worth people's attention. Now, in my case, with my business, the first main thing that I did that was making something worth people's attention was when I started making YouTube videos. Now, I had made YouTube videos prior to this on a different channel, and they hadn't done very well because they were kind of just more of the same. They weren't very good quality. They were nothing worth paying attention to, nothing worth talking about, nothing worth sharing. I also had been creating blog posts for my business for many, many months at that point, and those blog posts were full of good, helpful information, but again, they weren't really anything noteworthy. When I started making YouTube videos, though, I worked every single week to make each video better than the previous video. I was always working on improving my quality, making them more interesting, making them more entertaining, making them more helpful, and so... Fairly quickly, they started being something worth paying attention to. They were something that separated me from the competition because a lot of the other people in my space weren't making YouTube videos, and if they were, they probably weren't very good quality. Blogging was the go-to thing. It's what everyone was doing, and it was what I was doing too, which made it very difficult to stand out. When I started doing something different though, that was when my company really started taking off because I did something that got people's attention. So right here is an area that almost every business could improve in. There is something that you could do different or something that you could do better than what you're doing right now. Maybe it's your product, maybe it's your marketing, but what could you do that would really make you significantly different or significantly better than your competition? Ideally, you do both. You're both better and different, but if it really has to come down to one or the other, different is better than better because different gets people's attention. Different makes you stand out from your competition. If you're just a little bit better, it's not really going to get people's attention. But I also have to say that the different is better than better saying it only works as long as your product is also basically good. You can't have a different product that is poor quality and really stand out. You need to have a good product that is different. It's time for a short intermission, kind of a mini episode within an episode. I wanted to talk to you for a couple minutes about business building strategy. So not the strategy of how you run a business, so much as the strategy of how you build a business and specifically how long it takes to build a business. Now, there are some pretty big misconceptions about this out there. Of course, on the one side, you've got the get rich quick schemes that we all know are too good to be true. On the other hand, though, you have the people who say, you've got to be in it for the long run. It takes a long time to build a business. You need to be willing to keep showing up even when you're not seeing any results. And this is going to take a long time, but you just have to keep showing up and doing the work and eventually you will make it. Now, between the two of those things, the second one is certainly more true, especially when you think about the fact that building a business is to some degree a never ending process. And that's because you're never going to finish building your business. Even when you get your business to the point where it is consistently making good money month after month, you are going to want to continue to grow your business. And of course, you're also going to continue to run your business. And most likely, you're going to keep doing both those things as long as you keep running your business. But far too often, I see people confuse the idea of needing to be in it for the long game with the idea that it will take a long time to build their business and just get it up and running and making money. A lot of people think they need to be patient if they want to eventually turn their business into a success. And so they spend years slowly toiling over an idea that never ends up amounting to anything. Eventually, they give up and they feel like they have failed. They weren't able to turn their business idea into a success. They didn't have the chops to become an entrepreneur. But really, that's not what happened. They were just going about this with the wrong strategy. So let me explain to you how you can do things differently and what this process can actually look like. Phase one of building a business is just making a plan, deciding what business you're going to start, what you're going to sell, who you're going to sell that thing to, where you're going to run your business, how you're going to create that product, all of those really basic decisions about what this business even is. During this phase, obviously you're not going to make any money, but the good news is this phase also doesn't need to be long. You can make all of those decisions in a matter of hours. Now, of course, you might want to spend longer thinking about them, but I'm guessing that you already have. You've probably already spent days, weeks, months, maybe even years thinking about your business ideas, so you are primed and ready to be able to sit down and just make these decisions in a matter of mere minutes, hours, or at most a few days. If you need a little bit of help with this, snag a free copy of my easiest business plan ever. It's one of the most popular resources that I've ever created. I will be sure to leave a link in the show notes to that template for you. But let's move on right now and talk about phase two. Phase two is what I like to call the validation period. But what it's all about is just making your first sales. Here's the thing. Until you make your first sales, you can't make more sales. Until you make your first sales, you don't know for sure if anyone really wants the thing you're trying to sell. You don't know if there's demand for your product. Until you make your first sales, you don't know how to make a sale of this thing you're trying to sell. So the first sales are some of the hardest sales you're ever going to make, but they are an absolutely necessary first step before you're able to build your business any further. The weird thing, though, is that a lot of people kind of never get out of this phase. A lot of people who are trying to build a business struggle to slowly get their first sale. And then they struggle to slowly get their second sale, and they just keep on very slowly chugging along and never really get out of just working for one sale at a time. They never really take what they learn from this process and apply it to scaling their business. And because they do this process so slowly, they never get any real momentum with their business growth. So my recommendation to you when you're ready to beta launch your product, and it really can be that, a beta launch, okay, you don't have to have everything ready to go by any means, but when you just have the basics ready, when you have a prototype of your product ready, when you have a first version of your course or a first idea of some sort of service that you can offer, just take it to market and see if there is interest in that product. See if people want what you are offering enough that they're ready to pull out their credit cards and say, yes, I want that. Once you've made your first few sales and earned your first $1,000 or so, then you are ready to start scaling your business. You have the proof you need, you have the information you need to know how to effectively sell your products. So you can start creating sales systems. I'm talking about opt-in offers to start attracting leads. You can start creating email automations. You can start creating advertising campaigns. All to sell your product at scale rather than you having to work individually for each and every single sale that you make. Because the truth is that it's very unlikely that you'll be able to scale your business to a significant size if you have to work one-on-one for every single sale that you have to make. During that third phase of the process is when you're able to take your income from your new business from earning 50 bucks here, 100 bucks there, maybe 300 bucks there, to instead earning thousands of dollars every month consistently and seeing that monthly income grow month after month. So right now, where are you in this process? Are you at the very beginning at phase one where you just need to make those first decisions and get a solid business plan? If so, again, link in the show notes to that free copy of The Easiest Business Plan Ever. Are you ready for phase two? Now, remember, in order to be ready for phase two, all you need to do is make those first decisions. You can do that in a couple days. So I'm guessing even if you aren't ready for phase two yet, you will be very soon phase two, the validation phase, beta launching your product, that is exactly what we help our students do in Validate. Validate is an eight-week business accelerator that guides you to take your product to market as quickly as possible, earn your first thousand dollars, and finally get proof that you are really on the right track. We are about to open up the doors to Validate, depending on when you're listening to this, or we just have already, so I will include a link in the show notes that you can click to find out more and sign up if that is where you are at right now and then finally if you are ready for or in phase three well first of all congratulations because you have already gotten over the hardest part of the process of starting a business i also want to let you know that we do have something very exciting coming up for you later this year to help you work on scaling your business further specifically scaling to 100k a year and beyond so keep your ears tuned All right, and now back to today's episode. The fourth thing that I did to take me to six figures is something I already mentioned. It's market research, but I want to talk about exactly how I did this. I already explained to you why market research is so important and why it's really a no-brainer if you realize that you have to attract these people, these potential customers at one point or the other anyway, so you might as well do it sooner. But yeah, I want to tell you all about exactly how I did this market research because it's not maybe what you would expect if you just heard the term market research. Now, I'm someone who has a really hard time kind of slowing down and getting the, the boring work done. So let's just say bookkeeping is not my strong suit. I have a bookkeeper who keeps track of my company's transactions for me because I just can't bring myself to consistently sit down and get that sort of work done. And market research is the same way, which is why I hadn't done in the past. So I knew that I needed to do something different if I was going to actually successfully get this done and get any sort of results from it. So I did probably the most impatient sort of market research that you could do. What I did for my market research was I sold something. Because if someone bought it, then that told me that they were interested in it. Now I know that this might sound like I was just skipping market research, but that's not quite what was happening. Because I wasn't selling the big thing that I ultimately wanted to sell. Instead, I was selling a much smaller scaled down test version of the product. So here's what I mean by that. I wanted to sell an online course. Not just a tiny little course, but a major course, a course that taught something very comprehensively that got my students a huge result, a course that had several modules and quite a number of lessons inside, and that I could sell for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And that's what I had been trying to do in the past, and that's what had not been working. So what I did was I really backed up, and instead, I just sold one tiny little workshop, a live workshop. A workshop I hadn't even created yet. I just told my small audience, I'm going to have a workshop on this date. And if you would like to join me for the workshop, then you can sign up for $29 and purchase your seat at the workshop. And then you can show up on this date and we'll do this workshop. We'll do a Q&A session and I'll hand you a workbook. So much lower price, $29, much smaller product, and much less initial investment from me since I wasn't creating the product beforehand really at all. So as you can see, this was a test. I was wondering if people were interested in the topic of this workshop. I was wondering if they were interested enough to actually spend money on it. And the way I conducted the test was by asking them if they in fact wanted to spend money on it and asking them to hand over that money if they did want it bad enough. Now, I did this once per month for several months, and what I found was that some topics were very successful, very popular, and lots of people signed up for them and paid the registration fee, and other topics were not as popular, and that was how I started doing my market research. Then from there, I had these initial customers who had registered for the workshop who I was able to follow up with, ask questions of, and really tailor my premium product to suit. I share this with you both to give you a really practical example of something that you might actually do in your business if you happen to be in a similar situation where maybe you're trying to sell a digital product and you're having trouble finding a product that people are really interested in buying, but also just to give you an example of an alternative type of market research to get your wheels turning about maybe a different way that you could consider doing market research and to show you that market research is isn't always about uh, going out and trying to find people who might be interested in your product and then asking them questions there are other ways you can do it that can be a lot more actionable a lot more interesting and also can create some revenue in the process the fifth thing that I did to get to six figures was to get some help but get it strategically I had tried to hire people in the past. I'd hired a few general VAs and I had mostly found it to be a waste of my time and a waste of my money. Not because there's anything intrinsically wrong with hiring virtual assistants. Virtual assistants can be a great asset to your company and we work with a few these days. But when I initially tried to hire these virtual assistants, it did not work very well because I was hiring them for a very general role in the company, and I wasn't specialized enough yet, and I didn't really know exactly what I needed help with in order to increase my revenue, so it didn't really have any positive impact on my company. They were an expense for my company, and it cost me a lot of my time in order to try to communicate with them what I actually wanted from them. But this time around, when it worked, it was when I actually hired someone very strategically. I thought about what was taking up the most of my time. What was the most important thing that I needed to focus on and where were my company's bottlenecks? So to answer those first two questions, I realized that one of the most important things that my company was doing was creating these videos that were attracting the right customers and that if I could do more of that or do it better, then my company could be more successful. So I chose to strategically hire a video editor because editing these videos was taking a lot of my time. Hiring that video editor saved me time that I was then able to spend on other aspects of my business, and it allowed me to make better videos. To answer that last question about where my company's bottleneck was, I realized that My bottleneck was really in doing those daily kind of boring operations. As I mentioned before, those things that are not my strong suit – I was not keeping up with them very well. I wasn't very good at seeing things through to the end because I tend to be more of a visionary leader. I get a lot of ideas and I want to pursue them and I get very excited about them. And then when that passion fizzles out, then it just becomes another chore. And if it's not an important chore... If nothing's going to be lost, if I don't take care of it, then a lot of the time it will get pushed to the side and replaced with something that's more urgent or more important or just plain old more exciting. So to fix this problem in my business, I decided to hire an operations manager. Now, you could call this person one of a few different things. Uh, Often online, they're called online business managers. They also can be called integrators. I typically refer to them as an operations manager because That is primarily what this person is doing. They're managing the operations in my business, making sure that everything gets done on a daily basis, but also managing the projects to make sure that we really see things through to the end and that we are consistent with the things that we have decided we're going to do. Those were all things that I was struggling with and that were really holding my company back. And so bringing this operations manager on helped my company to accomplish a lot more on a daily basis. The final thing that took me to six figures is interesting because on the one hand, this was the thing that took me to six figures. It's literally what I did that made the money. But on the other hand, I couldn't have done this at all if I hadn't done those other five things First, So this sixth thing, it was that I built systems that sold for me 24-7. I built systems that sold my products around the clock, whether I was selling or not, whether I was launching or not, whether I was posting on Instagram or not. There were two different kinds of these systems. The first one was my membership site, and the reason why that sells for me 24-7 isn't necessarily because people can buy it at any point or we have a funnel for it. It's because it's a subscription product. And so what that means is that once people become a member of the program, they continue to pay month after month to continue to have access to the community and the training resources. And as long as they continue to get value out of their membership, they maintain their membership and they continue to make payments. And what that means is that once I make the one initial sale, I'll continue to earn from that sale month after month on into the future. And that really frees me up from that feast and famine cycle that so many entrepreneurs experience, and specifically online entrepreneurs often experience where they will make money whenever they launch, and then the rest of the time they're just trying to get by. I knew that I didn't want to do that because I was having trouble really having successful launches. My results were being very hit and miss when I first started trying to sell digital products. So by creating the membership site, I created a lot more stability for my business, and I was able to snowball our profits month after month. The second type of system that I built to sell for me 24 seven was sales funnels, automated evergreen sales funnels. So these are systems that automatically sell your products for you around the clock. Typically they involve some sort of system for getting leads. So in my case i make youtube videos and even after i make the video people continue to watch those videos and then they will go on to my website and they might download some sort of freebie or sign up for my email newsletter and then from there we have some sort of process that tells them about the product and how it can help them and asks them if they want to buy it now prior to this year when i went from essentially zero to six figures i had built systems like this but they had not worked. They hadn't worked because I hadn't done the market research, so I hadn't been able to build a funnel that really would convert, and also because I didn't have any traffic coming into the funnel. And if no traffic is coming into the top of the funnel, then no customers can come at the bottom, and you won't be making any sales. So Yes, I did have to build these automated systems because when I was making just a little bit of money in my business, that's when I was live launching. But I couldn't have built these systems before I had done those other five important things. All right. So those are the six things that I did. Before we wrap this up, let me just recap real quick. The first thing was I chose one thing to specialize in. Second, I stopped trying to sell because it wasn't working. Third, I made something worth paying attention to. Fourth, I did market research by testing different products. Fifth, I strategically got help. And then finally, sixth, I built systems that sold for me 24-7. Those are the six things that I did that got me to six figures and have helped me to grow since then. All right, well, I hope that you found this really interesting and informative and that you'll be able to use some of these things that I did in your own business to increase your income further. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. I really appreciate you spending this time with me and I hope that you are enjoying the podcast and getting a whole lot out of it. I'm your host, Gillian Perkins. I'll be back again next week with another episode and until then, stay focused. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more.